0: Welcome to another episode of Consider This. My name is Justin Ebert, and I am privileged to be in this studio today with the prestigious Ryan Vincent. Mm -hmm. Hello, Ryan. Hello, Justin. Um, The always ready to dance, (laughs) Drew Moss. Hello. Hi, Drew. And the one who's sitting atop the hill today, 50 years old, (gasps) the one, the only, our fearless leader... James Johnson. Yes. It hey, is everybody.
1: The, uh, it
2: is the beginning of my twilight years. Everybody, if you wouldn't mind hopping oh. on Facebook right now <laughs> and uh, wishing <laughs> wishing
3: Jim a happy birthday. <laughs> it just means the world uh, to him. He will uh, send a please. personal thank uh, you to every <laughs> one of you. Writing cards. Be sure to leave your address.
0: <laughs> Better yet, send him a personal, I have something for you. personal text message as well. Just oh. both of those things would be... Great for us. Um, also with us today, not in front of the camera, but behind it, is the one and the it's only me sipping coffee, Steve Broadway. Thank you, Steve, for all you do. Um, today is a exciting episode for us. We have been talking a lot behind the scenes um, about some things you may have seen or heard about, um, just with particular church leaders, not at Sunnybrook necessarily, but outside of the walls of Sunnybrook in the greater church context within american christianity some people like bill heibel some controversy some controversies surrounding an andy stanley um this isn't necessarily new but others like a rob bell (laughs) right others are not new mark driscoll um Things oh, we talked about have talked about before, but we just thought it'd be good for us to get in here and talk about some of those things. So, um, to start it out, um, we want to know what are just some of the failures that church leaders potentially could fall into. Like, what are the, what are the different categories of failure? Just so we can get our minds around what these might be, because they're different; they're not mm-hmm. all the same but sometimes they're equally dismissive as far as their ability to be able to continue to lead. So Mm. what are those? Ryan, start us off.
3: Um, Well, a a prominent one. Actually, it's been prominent for quite a while in different sectors of the church, but um, a a lot of what's taken place in in the end of 2017 and into the beginning of 2018 has brought to light some of the sexual misconduct that can happen at the leadership level and and how... uh, we would say that's inappropriate regardless of position but it's it's especially difficult to deal with when it's a, a pastoral figure mm-hmm. or leader that falls because of whether it's misconduct or just inappropriate behavior uh, I, there's there's actually kind of a difficult spectrum there but in many cases it completely disqualifies you from from leadership or at least tarnishes the ministry in a in a very insidious way
1: you know, and what you're describing is a little bit different today in this in in two regards, and all of these are a little bit different today in this is that you have now the the public outcry right. whereas before when you you didn't have that if a pastor did something wrong, it was in the city that he or she was in most likely he was in, and uh the church elders deal with it, but now there's more of a national recognition or a national outcry how come he's still there and pressure to force people to resign so i think that's different which has allowed there to be say that wider spectrum because you know we're really not you know what you're describing there ryan isn't just about such and such a pastor had an affair with one or multiple people in their congregation It, it it extends much further right um especially in light of what we're um what what I, again I I'm shocked that we're saying this is none of this is new all of these terrible atrocities that have been happening particularly to women um in the workplace they're just public now they're yeah they're becoming so public now and so yeah that's that's a big one right now
0: what others so sexual misconduct
2: That becomes, obviously, that's, I think that is the one we generally think of when we think of failure in leadership. We think of kind of sexual, immoral things. Mm -hmm. Kind of close to that is financial stuff when someone, say, is, you know, big things, embezzling or whatever. Sure. Um, We also, uh, but kind of some new ones that have, again, this isn't new, but but the whole celebrity Mm -hmm. pastor thing has almost kind of brought us to have to reckon with, what happens when someone uh just in general has a a prideful uh or angry or um like not not like an insubmissive spirit or whatever, like someone who just does not want to submit to leadership, someone this is this is kind of the thing that happened with Driscoll. Was that there wasn't doesn't seem like there were sexual things, nope. doesn't seem like it was embezzling or anything, doesn't seem it was literally just a man who who seemed like he did not want to answer to authority or be held accountable to some mm-hmm. things, mm-hmm. and and his and his spirit, which is honestly, even though that was a bummer, it was also kind of a refreshing thing to see a church sure. um, deal yeah. with something that that maybe wasn't a cut and dry. Yes, this is bower out, but but to really go no, but this this still isn't this behavior is not in line with the scriptures, yeah. and so more what a, to do with it? Yeah. a
3: domineering approach yeah.
2: to leadership. Yeah. And um, and I mean I'll there, there's probably more but another one is just doctrine yeah. just mm-hmm. false teaching that becomes and and that's another maybe almost a benefit of that's maybe the one area where there's the benefit of the national scene of things and and the internet and celebrity pastors is in the past if a pastor is, teaching like false doctrine in their church they're almost enough in a bubble and they they're kind of establishing the doctrine in some ways if there's not strong elders Mm. there Mm. that that people didn't even know and and now at least a lot of times their sermons are going online and those and so uh, i guess if there's any good thing you know what i mean that that we actually have the ability now for people outside to be able to say hey there's something off here with this teaching you know
3: so yeah, with the with kind of the danger that comes with a a national audience, false teaching can hurt more people that way. Uh-huh. There's also a a broader spectrum of people that can offer critique and accountability to that to yeah. some to some degree, right? Well, you know
1: what's interesting too is you know I was talking to my mother about this the other day when she mm. called me concerned about a particular national pastor that had that had uh, recently disclosed some some impropriety. Um, she always wants to call, and make sure. Hey, are you doing okay? I don't want to. <laughs> and I, mom, I'm doing. I really am. I mean, I've got great people in my life. Uh, I'm trying to make sure that I'm being submissive to them in all those areas. But it was. It's really interesting how um, I, I reminded her. Paul warned about all of these things, like everything that you just described. The Apostle Paul in his final letters, in First and Second Timothy and Titus gives very, very, very strong admonition to Timothy and to Titus and as they appoint leaders in Ephesus and in Crete. um, He basically says, be really on guard against people that want to um, uh, take advantage of women, uh, be really careful about people who want to take advantage of their people financially, and be really uh, on guard against people that want to distort the doctrine. Hmm. Um, And so it's it's interesting that the three that you mentioned, the Apostle Paul says... This is this is these are these are human temptations, yeah. and therefore you need to be on guard for these things. And I, I just think it's good that we realize that this is not something that came up because of the internet. This is not something that came mm-hmm. up because of even the celebrity pastor. It did not create this problem. This problem is a universal problem, and we're just seeing just new ways in which temptation is causing pastors to fall and mm-hmm. temptations that are causing pastors to um, uh, to kind of lose their bearing but in the end, there's nothing new under the sun.
0: Sure. I have a hypothesis that I don't necessarily agree with the, man, things are just getting worse and worse and worse as much as we just know more and more and more Mm -hmm. of what's always been there. Mm -hmm. And um, digital media has truly connected us in a way where we can use and be thankful for a level of technology, but also um, when we like you said, it keeps us accountable as far as what we say on a sure. larger scale, but it also has its dangers, sure. So one of the reasons we are talking about this is because it is public, and there are examples specifically of people that maybe we've suggested a book or two of these um, guys that are under question or under scrutiny, or um, we've gone to conferences and taken volunteers to conferences yeah. where these people are keynote speakers. Yeah. And so how do we, when do we respond when people that claim to be part of the church, that we would Mm -hmm. all be part of the capital C church fail? What do we do? How do we respond? What is our role in that? Or do we, do we just kind of close our walls and stay ignorant to the things outside?
1: No, I think we have to address it. I mean, I think that's why, you know, the person, the reason for this podcast isn't to say, um, Hey, these gentlemen who I do not know any of them personally, um, and then the many others, uh, you know, they're, we're, we're just here to critique them. We're here to just kind of throw up uh, why we believe they failed and why we believe. No, that's really not the point. That's not the interest at all um, on, our, on our part. Um, I mean, I personally i am sure you guys do too, maybe not all the time, so let's not pr- try to pretend we pray for them regularly. But whenever I hear about, especially nationally known pastors that are be- either have been uh, the need to confess of a failure my first response is, I knew it. My first response is, oh, that's, that's really sad. And I think about their families and I think about their ministries. I think about their congregations. And so we should, we should remember to pray for our shepherds and not just the ones here at Sunnybrook. But we need to be praying for those national pastors out there who, I mean, all, all the names that we're going to probably talk about today at, at some point in time. And even still today, in many ways, I deeply admire, respect, and appreciate and consider to be a brother in Christ as far as I can discern. Mm -hmm. And so we need to treat them like brothers and sisters when they, when they, when, even when they fail. So let's, let's remember that. I think we need to address it because um, there are those out there that don't know what's at stake, that don't know what's happening, and that don't know what's going on. And so um, to help our people understand biblical discipline. And what that actually looks like, and how to restore people to biblical repentance, then these become examples. What do I do with a person who begins to make sexual problems, financial problems, um, uh, personal uh, personality, as as uh, Drew was describing the Mark Driscoll scenario? What do we do with bullies? How do we handle them, and how do we how do we love them? How do we how do we still realize that nobody? you know, is always, always bad or always, always good. Mm -hmm. There is that combination of them. Do I throw
2: away every Mark Driscoll book or not? Do I get rid of all of Rob Bell's videos or not? I think, by the way, that's a a very interesting question because in the past, if someone failed, like we didn't have on hand all their teaching anymore. Like, you know what I mean? If a minister 70 years ago failed... Then they just were kind of done and, and, and they would leave the ministry or they would repent and maybe slowly be restored. But now when someone enters into failure, when Mark Driscoll fails or when Rob Bell, Bell fails or or Andy Stanley or whatever that may be, we still have all of their teaching. Mm-hmm. online to listen to we still have all of their books we still have all of their blog posts and podcasts and so th- this is a question I have for you what do we do with those like because I-, I think people wrestle with that and I sometimes wrestle with it can I still read yeah his stuff can I still listen to those sermons is there still something to be gained from that or do I need to kind of sever myself from all of his stuff like how do you guys we just by the way and and it should kind of guess we should say we are not with the whole Andy Stanley thing for those who aren't super up to date with it we're not like cutting andy stanley out of the church or thing there's some things he's teaching right now yeah. that we're concerned about and yet we did just in the past few weeks give like hundreds of his books out to yeah. our to our people <laughs> yeah <laughs> so question for our people who and we gave i'm still all these, gonna do that yeah okay like, i'll so, still do so, that yeah, so that's part yeah. of yeah. your answer no, no, there i'll still do that sunday yeah, yeah so I'll elaborate on that well, well I, I mean why will you continue to do that yeah
1: and, and i guess this is the one of the one of the issues is uh You know, we've thrown out some names. We've thrown out Bill Hybels. You may not know exactly all that has happened. And we throw out Andy Stanley. What did Andy Stanley do? Did he have an affair? And, you know, so rather quickly, and you guys can jump in, but um, Andy Stanley has made some questions um, or has raised some questions about his understanding of how the teachings of the Old Testament should be applied in the life of the believer in uh, in the church context in terms of their importance and value and centrality. And um again, he's doing it for reasons to tr- keep people in the faith, to draw people into the faith. And so the questions that we're asking there are ones of, is that a foolish statement? Are you are you interpreting Acts fifteen properly? Yeah. So I'm not concerned with um with whether or not Andy Stanley is a brother. I just don't agree with him at all. In terms of how he's articulating, yeah. and, and you know, we've good. gone back yeah. and we've listened to the sermons. You know, with with uh, with Bill Hybels, there's a, you know, in, in most recently he said, yeah, there have been some cases in which I have been wise, unwise, and foolish. In terms of some conversations that I've had uh, with women, and so I don't think there's been an affair that has been confessed. But and it was enough of a backlash. Like and, a, yeah, and there seems to be like a pattern a of pattern sexual of, misconduct. Yes, and. and so he resigned. You yeah. know, and he's still saying he's innocent of most charges. But I'm just saying, no matter what, however you look at this, there something was broken, and he even admitted something needed yeah. to happen. And then yeah. with Driscoll, you definitely have somebody that um as you described was not being submissive to the leadership and so had to step down. So when you look at all of these things, I would say you need to you need to hear what 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 that concern might be. So when mm-hmm. I, with Andy Stanley, I would have to really listen to how he talks about missiology or the mission of the church mm-hmm. and ecclesiology what the church is all about and I would say, "Hey, you, you need to understand, don't just buy everything he's selling yeah. in those areas particularly because I don't think he's seeing exactly how he understands the primary functions of the church, um, where that works. But if it, I got this book on on how to understand our resources, um, I don't have a problem with that. I yeah. don't have a, a problem with his financial stewardship issue. Um, I just would never ask him to come in and inform our elders about how we should look at our mission and purpose. <laughs> Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. And so I think that's what we have to do constantly. I mean, yeah. Rob Bell's not going to come in, well, actually, probably at all, But that's probably on his part. Um, He's not going to come and try to teach us about how to uh, read the scriptures or understand the scriptures. So we're just going to, um, I I would say, much like we have to do with history. I mean, this is the part that is not new, is that we read about people of ancient times and we realize, wow, that person was also a bigot or that person was also a chauvinist or that person was also a something. Mm -hmm. And I don't throw away Augustine because he did X or I don't throw away Luther because he did Y. Um, I think it's a I think it's a discernment piece. Um, I just think we also need to, that's one of the problems when we don't challenge our people to think critically about this. They only know how to eat everything mm-hmm. or or repel Less everything. Enough. And we need to say, no, it's chicken. And yeah. I, I really wish chicken always came without fat or bones. I really do. But sometimes it doesn't. And you just mm-hmm. need
3: to realize that's a bone. I really wouldn't chew that or eat that. Yeah. And I think it's important to remember, so like if you just mentioned Luther, you wrote a book called... Uh the bondage of the will it's a good one um wouldn't agree with everything in it but i would agree with it far more than i would his later more anti-semitic writings (laughs) um but it's important to recall that what luther got right in the bondage of the will was not connected intrinsically to luther's righteousness if if there's anything good in there it's of the spirit and Uh it was always of the spirit it Uh wasn't of luther first and foremost sure and I look at Andy Stanley in the same way. I think what he's preached in some of his recent sermon series is not of the Spirit. I think it is of his own wisdom, and I think that it. I, I think he's off. I think the the Fields of Gold book that we've we've distributed to a lot of people is is very much of the Spirit. I find a lot of um, biblically informed ideas and orthodox ideas in there, uh, detached from. The character of andy stanley or the interpretive ability of andy stanley not completely right so sure. we're not we're not reading bart ehrman's book on you know biblical hermeneutics um even if he is being a really really nice guy at the time he's very much unorthodox for uh, those unbelievably of you that don't know bart. unorthodox <laughs> um but i i mean i can i can i can even look at the table of contents in bart's book and say this is not of the spirit of god this is not going to align with that which we see in the scriptures. And so, you know, I remember this question coming up when Steve Fee fell for sexual misconduct. Steve um, Fee was a worship leader. A worship leader five, six years ago. It came to light that he was having an ongoing affair with someone he was not married to. And uh, and the question was, can we still sing his songs? And And I don't know where we ultimately even landed on that. But maybe for a time, you just don't mess with it. But after a while, I don't know that it's the worst thing in the world to return to. Was that like a spirit led song that sure. he one time wrote, even as a sinful person? Because when you start to clamp down the vice too much, how much of us get to keep having our stuff put out there? Sure. You know what I mean? And I think it's good to,
1: to even to learn and to, pr- to teach and to practice discernment. And that's kind of what we're talking about here. Is that you need to be able to look at all of the teachings of all of these uh, these Christian leaders and say what aspect of them uh, lines up with Scripture, what aspect of it lined up with the Spirit, what doesn't, and then you treat it all accordingly. And then that way we can always deal graciously um, and and justly with with everyone. And we can also even expect that from others when when we struggle
0: sure we we use the phrase a lot, the Word of God, the spirit of God, the people of God. and so when you have questions specifically about one of these leaders, like okay, Rob Bell, I used to like these these videos called these Numa videos. they seem cool, but now the way you guys talk about Rob Bell seems to make him out to be something we don't align with, and he's theologically so off we wouldn't promote his book. so what do I do? Like use the word of God first to let it be your foundation of judgment then the Spirit of God within you working and now the people of God talk mm. to us talk to your small group your life group and use those tools that you have readily available mm. so what about if we had this happen at Sunnybrook okay what if Jim went down the rabbit trail okay we, he had a moral failure or heaven forbid any kind of failure right he went theologically crazy on something or he starts being abusive in his leadership right? What do you do, Jim? What would you prescribe us to do?
1: Discipline me. Mm -hmm. I mean, I really, I think it comes down to um, living in a a community and being submissive. I think the best way to deal with church discipline before we need church discipline that equally applies to everybody is uh, submit yourself to. And so that's the beauty of it. That's uh, what I'm grateful for. I mean, it comes back down to who I married, my wife does not see our lives as independent of the church. And so if my wife was concerned about any aspect of our lives, my wife, w- <laughs> it's funny to even say, would seek help immediately <laughs> from from her spiritual leaders. And so that's a good thing. My kids know what to do. Should I choose, um, you know, from when my boys were little, we had to deal with this quite a bit because of just the context in which we've lived. And what do we do? Um, what do we do to daddy if he decides to leave mommy and have a girlfriend and the boys know um, that we respectfully don't listen to daddy kind of a scenario. And and I think that's, that's part of it. And, and they do that, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5, so that I might be handed over uh, yeah. to be taught not to blaspheme or uh, that idea of uh, there is the refinement of the flesh. And in that 1 Corinthians 5 text, it's about the sinful nature in us. And so that can happen doctrinally, that can happen in terms of just my personality, it can happen to me financially. How do I get disciplined? Mm -hmm. And I think that's what the church needs to do for me um, because if not, then my own soul is in jeopardy. And then beyond that, uh, the ministry that I'm a part of and that I get an opportunity to lead is also in jeopardy and just just to make now, I don't fun. want you to enjoy it. Like I think
3: I think you guys are going to be like, "Oh man, <laughs> right. this is going to be this is going to be fun." Yeah. <laughs> now um just so anyone who's listening, whether you're part of Sunnybrook, you probably know this information to 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 some extent or if you're listening from somewhere else. Um the way that Sunnybrook functions is we have uh we have a ministry staff and then we have elders and we have 13 elders. One of them is on a bit of a sabbatical right now, so we have 12 elders. And Jim is in that group, he's one of twelve. So on the ministry staff, he is the lead minister, he kind of leads the team. But on the on the the board of elders, however you want to describe that, he's one of twelve. And and knowing all of those men like I do, there would be no joy in disciplining Jim. But there would also be no hesitation. Mm-hmm. And and it's a very easy group of men to follow and to trust as they lead this fellowship.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is one of the first questions, Jim? You you always say you ask elders when you're when a prospective yeah. elder when yeah. they're coming on is could you fire could me? Could you fire me? Because if not, then we don't need you. You yeah. know what <laughs> I mean? Yeah. That's kind of one of your big jobs is to protect the church from me foolish, arrogant ministers. Yep. You know what I mean and that yep. kind of stuff. And so um, here's here's another thing I would say we do when someone has if someone in our church were to have a moral failure is. Um, don't freak out uh, which is like I, I hear yeah. so many I hear so many stories from people who say you know we, we were going to church when I was a kid my family was going to church and then you know the minister ran off with the secretary and we just got so fed up with the whole thing we just we just kind of hadn't been in church in years. I hear mm-hmm. those kinds of stories um, which is which is just odd because what I mean what that shows you in that moment and, and I wonder this sometimes about myself if Jim were to walk away from it all how would I respond and would I would it um, damage my faith, would it, but if it would damage my faith, then what it shows is that my faith has been placed in Jim, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and not in and not in God, who is above Jim's failure and who is against Jim's sin and who is and who is going to sustain and care for his church with or without Jim. And and so I, I hear those things a lot, where someone you know our pastor ended up being a hypocrite, and so I just stepped away from it all and I go, okay, well you're, you're yeah your pastor was a hypocrite, but that doesn't mean that the God the God over your church failed you in any way just because they did. And I think that's, that's just a really important thing for us to keep in mind, you know?
0: Sure. And I think what you're describing there, when you have faith in an individual, whether you realize it or not, that's that celebrity pastor thing we're talking about. And we see it a lot, unfortunately Mm -hmm. pastors who make way more money probably than they should, who promote themselves on a level that does not seem to align with the scriptures. Mm -hmm. And, that's unhealthy. That worries us. And we're going to talk about in a future podcast, what are some of the potential downfalls and the pitfalls of that kind of a model where you're building this organization in behalf of the gospel. Yeah. That, that, and it worries us. It, it makes us scared, but it's pervasive.
1: Well, and it, it, I, one of the things I like to be reminded
3: of is that we're that on probably a micro level.
0: Sure.
1: Right? Yeah. And so I was going to
3: say it's not it's not a wealth thing here. But I think there is a charisma in Jim that people are drawn to. To say that there's okay, no there, cult of okay, personality. Sure. And I would say that
1: is true of everybody on staff. I think I may be more charismatic.
3: Mm. <laughs> I mean, you kind of have to be to, to come out and say no, but, it like that. You are. No, but, no, but truthfully. I you mean,
2: are <laughs> definitely more magnetic And that magnets definitely attract or repel. Or repel. <laughs> and Jim Johnson is always uh, doing one of those I, two well, things. Exactly.
1: <laughs> North and south, baby. <laughs> I'm from the north. But um, I, I no, would, but, but here's would, here's my point is that it's it's fun for us and I mean I say fun I mean like healthy for us to say that it's easy to look at say a Bill Hybels who's on a completely different planet mm-hmm. than we are on but say but the the same root issues are true about our own people, so what drew is describing is uh, it happens regardless of the size of your congregation, and so yeah. sometimes by one of the reasons why I think it 's good to have conversations, one of the reasons why when i uh, I find about I find out about a moral failure of someone um particularly in the in the marital realm, I go home and I talk to my wife and I just say, Hey, babe, I just need you to know today 's another day i 'm drawing a line in the sand and saying um, that I'm living above reproach right now. There's mm. no, there's no woman, there's no instance, there's no mm. event that you need to even be concerned of. And she kind of always looks at me like I'm a little bit like I'm crazy, but I really take seriously the, you know, everybody um, that I mean, almost everybody had a point in time whether you're Steve yeah. Fee or Bill Hybels where you weren't doing that, and yeah. then no, you started doing that. And mm-hmm. I've got nothing in me to keep me from just intrinsically. Never going down that road. Now, I do have the Holy Spirit in me um, that reminds me. I do have the Word of God that I'm sure. that I'm following and the community of faith that I'm surrounding myself with. So to try, I'm not saying I'm helpless, but I think it's good for us to look at these examples and to consider these guys that are falling, to not freak out, to understand mm-hmm. what my faith is really um, founded in. Um, and, yeah.
0: Well, we have... We can suppress we believe that you can suppress the spirit at some level. So you may have the spirit in you, but you sure. can you mm-hmm. can say no enough yep. to where yep. you've suppressed it yep. in, in a yep. way that yep. leads to this pattern. Um, so you've mentioned a few. I want to kind of close by asking, how do we specifically in Sunnybrook build safeguards against this? Mm-hmm. And then maybe along those same lines, like how would we help those who are listening to us, who are leaders, whether they're in the church or in other areas, like build safeguards in their life to not fall into some of these um, dangers.
1: I'm going to say it real fast because um, it's what my mom did for us kids that was always kind of strange because it's that quick thing that we say we're supposed to do. And as I get older, the more I recognize how critical it is to pray,
3: mm-hmm.
1: to literally just pray, to stop. And, and I, I always wonder, do I talk to God more about this or do I talk to others? Mm-hmm. Um, do I talk to God more about what's going on uh, in the in the church, both us as well as universally about what I think we're going down some pretty bad roads. The church has gone down these roads before where they don't understand or appreciate the biblical text. Um, do, how much do I talk to God about this or do I just spend all my time talking to Justin and Ryan and Drew and Morgan and Steve? And and I really think it, I think praying for that. My, my mom always said that the best thing that ever happened to me, um, uh, you know, was Jesus fundamentally, but her best parenting was always done by her praying. Hmm. And I just... I look at it because I'm like, you know, I always just say, I don't know what did this, and I don't understand how all this came together. My mom would go, I do. Like, pray. And so that's not just a quippy-type statement. You need to pray for Jim Johnson. You need to pray for Ryan and Steve and Drew and Justin and all everybody. You need to pray
3: for us that we would stay responsive to the Spirit. Um, on the on the doctrinal side, um, one of the things that we we have in place is Jim, it, he's not formulating the the sermon series in a vacuum. He mm. doesn't. He doesn't really work alone. Now he is by and l- by a long shot the lead sled dog on on the the Sunday morning teachings in the big house. But the the sermons are discussed as a staff beforehand, and they're yeah. they're they're debriefed as a staff after the fact and and then the one th- one of the things that i just love about this place is we have a ministry staff and i all i think an eldership too that is theologically stout <laughs> and and it would it would take a lot of work for mm-hmm. one of us to go off the rails for mm-hmm. very long before drew comes in and says hey dude what you're teaching can you find it in here cuz i'm not and and he's got the chops to do that and you all have the chops to do that and 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 we have this accountability built in against what I think Andy Stanley, in, in terms of his ministry model, without going into a whole lot of details, I actually don't think he has that. I think he's kind of on an island doing a lot of his stuff, or his model asks him to do certain things, and and it's not submitting to the text and letting it win no matter what. And here we have a culture and a, and a competency that just isn't going to let Jim go too far off-center, or at, at all, if we detect it, right? And so... We have that stuff. I, I I don't envision Jim going theologically liberal anytime soon, but if he did, we'd sniff it out rather quickly, I think.
1: Yeah. And vice versa. Yeah. You know, it really does. It does. It's it's you to me and me to you.
2: Mm-hmm. And, and in the same way that Jim doesn't do sermons like in a vacuum, we don't do ministry in a vacuum. Right. Um, that's kind of one of the cool things I've loved is like. Um, it's it's, at Sunnybrook, you don't have like individuals taking care of one branch of the church over here. Like it just kind of the way we operate is we're in each other's offices a lot doing planning and talking over things. And and all these ministries kind of happen together. And so even though the FMT made up of Zane and Justin and Drew and Morgan and, and Beth, like it's even though they've they're kind of together working on things so you got five people kind of keeping being with each other and caring for each other but even they aren't like separated off by the rest of the church mm-hmm. like they're meeting regularly with our whole staff every monday and doing lunch together and hanging out and so there's really just a lot of involvement in one another's ministries and lives sure. and and i think that that's actually kind of the answer for whether you're in ministry or leadership or not is involvement in one another's lives allowing people into yours accountability is not Someone coming to me and asking me, how'd you do this week? How'd you do this week? Um, I guess that's part of it. But accountability is largely me placing my life kind of before others and going, mm-hmm. ask me how I'm doing or here's how I'm doing. Help me out with this or pray for me in this, you know. And, and so living a, a, a life of, you know, transparency and, and openness to to the church around me.
1: Mm-hmm. There's no guarantee that, that, uh, that we can't mess up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no guarantee that we, that we won't mess up. I would also say, you know, we, we talk a lot in our staff meetings about how our people are doing. We mentioned by name, we're concerned about so-and-so, yeah. or we're really excited about so-and-so. Um, in one of our conversations today, we were talking about more of a nationally known pastor. And um, and one of the statements that, that Drew made was, I really believe that in the next few years, he's going to say this doctrinally. And we didn't look at each other and go, where is that coming from? We went, oh, no. That actually comes from here because you said this about the text and you believe this about the Bible and you believe this about your mission. And so we can kind of see where you're going. Mm -hmm. And that's why I would say I I, I really do. I get concerned about ministries or churches or organizations that isolate themselves because then they don't see the trajectory. And that's one of the things that we try to do here um, is that we try to make sure that the trajectory – Things don't happen in a vacuum. And so whether, whether that's um, some sexual immorality, again, not that we could know every time. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying patterns exist. See, mm-hmm. C.S. Lewis talks so much about that solidarity of virtue. And so it's just highly unlikely that anybody on staff is out of the blue going to do crazy. It's that they just slowly begin. I, I mean, I, I really think the failure that I have in my life should I have a failure? I believe that everybody on staff will go. Yeah, I think we kind of saw that one coming. Mm-hmm. I think you'll always be able to say that, um, and I think it's good for us to realize those things. So, doctrinal looseness then creates doctrinal problems. Um, sexual looseness can create sexual failure. Mm-hmm. Financial looseness can create financial failure, and so um, that's the that th- those are elements. And we sometimes just go, I don't know where this came from. Yeah. I do. I mean, I I could see where in essence, many of those situations of, of even people say much closer who failed. Um, I I cannot think of an instance right now where I would go. I have no idea where that came from. I could, I wasn't surprised when Driscoll had to step down because of, I wasn't surprised when Heibels had to step down because of, Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's just, you can
3: see it more than you realize. It's usually years of putting your toe on the proverbial line and then eventually you're going to cross it. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's, you're you're playing near it for yes. a while.
0: Playing yeah. yeah. Um, fire. In closing, um, as you pray for us, pray for our marriages, pray for our unity, pray for our integrity, pray for uh, our openness with each other at Sunnybrook specifically. Um, if one of us were to fall, if one of us were to fail in a major way, or if one of the people that you look up to are not at Sunnybrook, a Christian leader fails. Remember that your faith is in God. Go back to the word and remember the truth of our unchanging God. No matter what somebody says about him or no matter what hypocrisy you may see, he is still God. He is still good. He's still worthy of our worship, and we owe our entire being to him. So don't let our failures, the failures of any person, deter you from following him wholeheartedly. So we thank you for listening and we look forward to being with you again in the coming weeks.